Well, good morning. And welcome, welcome to Fellowship of Faith this morning as we gather together on this day that the Lord has given us to worship Him. So thank you for being here. Well, as you probably already figured out, I am not Pastor Dave. Uh, Pastor Dave uh, has a, has a well-needed weekend off. He's down in St. Louis uh, picking up his daughter, Reagan, and uh, bringing her home. So uh, we, we just pray that uh, the Gadini family is just having a, a great uh, time off and a great weekend off uh, from, uh, from the duties here at Fellowship of Faith. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Dave, you know, does a great job here, and he does a great job of pastoring all of you and, and pastoring this flock here at Fellowship of Faith, and, and he does does deserve that time off. So today, you got me. I am uh, Pastor Gary Peterson, and I'm a retired pastor. I was pastor at Word of Life Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois, for 15 years, retiring in 2016. And when uh, we, my wife and I retired, we decided, well, we don't need to stay there in uh, Naperville, Aurora area anymore. So we bought a house up on uh, Lake, uh, Wonder Lake, and we retired up there, and we're just enjoying our retirement. Of course, pastors don't totally retire, so here, here I am today. But it's a pleasure for me to be here today, and I thank uh, Pastor Dave for, for asking me to come and, and help out today. As today, we are going to continue on with the uh, message series that Pastor Dave has been uh, uh, doing, those six words, six words, those six Hebrew words. We've already had four of them. So today, as Gwen said, we're going to start or go off with that fifth word today the fifth word today, but before we get into that, I thought that would be a good idea to review those four words that we've already had, so that we can uh, think about those four words and, you know, get them into our hearts, get them into our, our minds so that we can remember them. So here we go, let's go through those ones that we've already had. Well, the first of those words is ahava. Ahava, which means love. God ahavas us. He ahavas us so that we can ahava him, right? So that we can love him. The only way that we can love is because God first loved us. Well, I went to the New Testament. The New Testament to come uh, look for verses using this particular word. And of course, there are many, many times ahava is used in scriptures. But the one that I thought of, and the one that probably you are very familiar with, comes to us from, it's recorded in all four of the Gospels. So I chose the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 30 to 31, should be up here on the screen. Let's go ahead and read that together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, just think about that for a minute this morning. Love, ahava, the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and ahava, your neighbor as yourself. You know, if we all did that, we would be in paradise, wouldn't we? Everything would be right, everything would be good, everything would be as planned by God. Love the Lord your God. Well, ahava is an action word the act of loving. Well, the second word that we uh, had in this sermon series is hesed. Hesed, right? Well, hesed basically boils down to God's covenant relationship with his people. 
God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to hesed us, hesed with us. He wants to, and you know what? We are his people. Each and every one of us is a child of God. Again, it's an action word. An action word, an action on behalf of someone in need. Well, that certainly describes us, doesn't it? We're certainly in need. We're certainly in need of God's love. We're certainly in need of of God's uh, relationship with us. Well, when I was pastor there at Word of Life in Naperville, the the community uh, just west of us was Aurora. And in Aurora, there was a shelter for the homeless, and that was called Hesed House. Hesed House. Now, Hesed House provided a help for those that, uh, that, that needed housing. They provided housing for pe- shelter for people. They also provided counseling. Counseling for the people there, the people that were coming to use their services so that they get them back on their feet and maybe uh, jobs and housing would come for their families and put their families ahead. What an appropriate name. Hesed House. Well, as uh, the Hesed, the word Hesed, appears in scriptures about 250 times just in the Old Testament alone. Hesed is a pretty important word, a pretty important word for God. And, And one of those times that it was used in the Old Testament is from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Now, many of you probably remember the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, or the three men in the fiery furnace. Well, this one is Daniel chapter 9, verse Three. Let's read it together. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant with love with all who love him and keep his commands. Keeps his hesed of love with all who love him and keep his commands. Well, the third word that we, that we heard about was hamah. Who remembers what Hama means? Anybody? Anger. Basically means anger. And Dave talked about, remember the story, he talked about how God gets angry, and that's not a bad thing. God's anger is a good thing, and it's certainly a thing, his anger is certainly justified, but his anger doesn't last, does it? No, God's anger doesn't last forever. His ahava and his hesed come out even more strongly each time that he gets angry, more strongly than before. And as I said before, his anger is certainly justified. Think about, think about his anger against us, against you and me. How many times do we you know, fail to follow him and we go our own way and we deserve his anger? From Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 and 10, we should have that verse up there. Let's read it. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. My anger, my hama may burn against them that I may destroy them. God was so mad at the children of Israel and this came right after they had made a golden calf. They had made this golden calf and they fell down and they worshiped that golden calf in the desert. Gets us to our fourth word, just from last week. That fourth word was kinah. Remember kinah? 
Now, kina means uh, zealous, zeal, ardor, or jealousy. The Lord is jealous for his people, and we as his people should be jealous for him. From the Old Testament book of Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 2, we read, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. I am very kinah for Zion. I am very kinah for my people, for the children of Israel. My kinah burns for my people. Well, kinah, kinah, meaning God holds his people in great esteem and he will provide for them. He will take care of them, keeping them safe. He will restore them into a right relationship with him. But that also is a two-way street. For just as God is jealous for us, we need to be jealous for him. Now that jealousy isn't the same kind of jealousy that we think of today. The jealousy where, you know, we're jealous of our, of for our, our boyfriend or our girlfriend. We're jealous for our things. We're jealous for our car or whatever it is. No, this is a different, this is a, a holding them in esteem that, with the zeal of the Lord. And that brings us to today's word. Today's word, is, as Gwen said, is rekham. Now, now, the way I was pronouncing it was the same way that, that Dave talks about, you know, yeah, get that in the back of, back of your throat. Let's, let's say that word together. Racham. Racham is comfort, compassion, and mercy. Comfort. God is a God of comfort, isn't he? He's a God of comfort. His comfort comes out all the time. Every day, he comforts us. We talked about how God ahavaz us, how he loves us, how he shelters us, how he hesseds us, how he does get angry with us, his hama burns against us at times, and who could blame him? But he also holds us close to him, doesn't he? He holds us close to him. His kana is for us, in spite of how many times we don't deserve his love. But now we're going to talk about how he comforts us how he comes to us when we need him the most, and how he he has compassion upon us, compassion upon his people. He rakams, his rakam is on us and for us. Well, comfort, the word comfort appears in Scripture many, many times. It just, it's just all out throughout Scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, for our God is definitely a God of comfort. From Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, we read together, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Rakam, rakam your people, or my people, God says. We are his people. Each one of us are his child, his son, or his daughter, and he recalms us. He, He gives us comfort. He shows comfort to us each and every day. Yes, think about the Old Testament people, the children of Israel, and how, how so many times they, they went their own way. They turned away from God, and, and we think, you know, how could they do that? They were the ones that saw these miracles that God performed. They were the ones that were led out of, out of, out of slavery in Egypt, and they saw what everything that God had done for them. But what did they do? They turned on their backs on him. Every single time they turned his back, but you know what? Every time, God called them back, didn't he? 
He called them back and he had mercy on them. He called them back into his grace. He called them back into his love. He called them back and he gives them his rakam. He gives them his compassion. Many examples, many examples in the Old Testament. Just a couple of weeks ago, Dave talked about that, how that God got so angry with Moses. And, and this was the time that, that God had called Moses to lead his children out of slavery in Egypt. And, and did Moses uh, say yet, oh yeah, give me that job, I'm going to go and I'm going to do a good job? No, he didn't, did he? He had every excuse in the book of why he shouldn't do that why he shouldn't lead his people out of slavery. You know, don't you think or wouldn't you wonder why God didn't just zap him? Why didn't he just send a a lightning bolt down and, and, and take him out of the world, you know, take him off the earth? But he didn't, did he? No, God had racham on him. He had compassion on Moses and he didn't destroy him. But then think about the attitude of the children of Israel as they were led out of slavery in Egypt, out into the wilderness, what did they do? The main thing they did was complain. They complained about everything. They whined about everything and anything. You know, they just got out into the desert, out into the wilderness, out of slavery in Egypt, and they started complaining. We don't have anything to drink out here, Moses. You took us out here to die of thirst. And what did God do? He provided water. He told Moses to strike the rock and water came out of that rock. And then the next thing, they were hungry. And they they said, we don't have anything to eat. And they said, you know, when we were back in Egypt, we had pots of stew were boiling for us and we had all kinds of vegetables. They forgot the fact that they were slaves. They forgot the fact that they were, you know, being starved to death, the fact that they were being worked to death. So God provided manna. God had compassion on his people. He provided manna, bread from heaven, and every morning this bread covered the ground and they could pick up what they needed. And then what happened? They got sick of that bread. They said, we detest this terrible food. So what did God do? He gave them meat. He gave them quail, and the quail covered the ground every, every evening, and they had enough meat to eat, and then they got tired of that. They complained about that. And God said, you're going to have so much meat that you're going to have it full in your mouth that it'll be in between your teeth. Oh, they were complainers. It got so bad, this is the biggest one. Here Moses is. God called Moses up on Mount Sinai, up to the mountain of God, And he was up there, Moses was up there with God. He was up there a while, a long time. And God was giving him the Ten Commandments. And God was giving him these rules and regulations that the Israelites should follow in order to live their lives together. And he even gave them the plans, the plans for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And again, it took a long time. He was away a long time. And the people wondered what was going on. They wondered what had happened to him and they took matters into their own hands. They went their own way. They found Moses' brother, Aaron, and they said, Aaron, make for us a God, a little G, a little God that that we can follow, that will lead us as Moses has, because they said, as for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. He's gone. We need somebody to lead us. Give us a little God. So Aaron did. He built for them that golden calf. And what did they do? 
They fell down and they worshiped that golden calf in the desert. Now here was God. God and Moses were up on Mount Sinai and he was meeting with him and he looked down. God looked down and he saw what the people were doing. He saw that they were worshiping this idol. He saw that they were, they were going astray. They were partying. They were having a celebration. And he told Moses, he said, go down to those people. Go down to them because my anger is burning against these people. They said, they, they said that they, this, the people, the Israelites said, you know, make us this God. And they said, this is our God. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So Moses went down. But Moses pleaded with God. Moses, Moses pleaded with God to have rakam on the people, and God did. Moses said, you know, why should you, go, why should you destroy these people? If you do, he said, the Egyptians are going to say, why would your anger burn against these people who you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? If you do that, the Egyptians will say it was with evil intent that God brought these people out into the desert in order to kill them. Moses pleaded with God, pleaded with God to have mercy on the people, to turn away from his anger, turn away from his hamah, and have rakam on them, and that's what God did. He relented. He relented of that, and he had compassion because God is a compassionate God. So we think about those three definitions, comfort, compassion, mercy. But you know, as I was uh, looking through the meanings of that word rakam, would you believe that one of those definitions is womb? W-O-M-B, womb. Now, don't you think that's pretty appropriate for this particular day? This particular day? So who are we celebrating this particular day? Moms, right? Well, you know, I said, I thought maybe we might have some Sunday school answers. Jesus, right? We are celebrating Jesus. We celebrate Jesus every day, and especially on his day. But yeah, you're right. Today, we are celebrating moms. Moms, and when you think about moms, Think about mothers. Think about what they do. What they do for their children, what our moms did for us. Think about them. Aren't they the champion of rakam? Aren't they the champion of compassion, comfort, and mercy? Think about what they do. About all the care that they give to their children, their nurturing, the comfort, the compassion, and not to mention the mercy. How many times do you remember your mom showing mercy to you when she should have, you know, zapped you, right? But she didn't because she loves you. Well, as I was looking through those meanings of, the, of that word with womb, I came across a post or an article or a blog by a Jennifer Rothschild, and I think we've got that up there now. Jennifer Rothschild, maybe some of you know her, of her. She's a kind of a rather famous Bible study leader and a writer. She wrote this article when you, down the bottom of that, down the left-hand corner, when you need to be cradled in God's compassion. When you need to be cradled in God's compassion. How many times is that? How many times and how many of us have needed to be cradled 
in God's compassion. I think we all have, right? Each and every one of us have needed that compassion, have needed to be cradled in his compassion. Well, this is a story of the birth of her first child, and, and she states and relates how the fact that that took a long, long time. In fact, she says, it was 16 long, swollen, puffy, unattractive, exhausting days after the expected delivery date of her firstborn son. The firstborn son was born, and she states how she was so relieved. And I'm sure all you moms out there can relate to that, right? She was relieved after 16 days after, after that due date. She says, time in the womb protects a child and prepares a child for life. She also said, Sometimes we find ourselves in hard situations, trouble situations in our lives and, and that feel like her way too long pregnancy, like they're never going to end. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? Like it was never going to end, like it was never going to stop, like it was going to go on forever and you weren't sure if you were going to be able to handle it, if you weren't sure that you were going to be able to get through onto the other side. It's when we're at the end of our rope, when we're ready to throw in the towel. That's when we realize that God is carrying us. He's carrying us, carrying us in order to see us through. Whatever it is, whatever is going on in our lives, God is there. It's at those times when God carries us just like a mother carries her child in her womb protecting that child, providing for that child, and caring for that child. She continued on, we don't often think of long-lasting trials and tribulations and troubles in our lives like times in the safety of a womb, but those are the times that God grows us those are the times that God protects us. Those are the times that God cradles us in his rakam, his compassion, and his care. For his compassion is indeed just like a mother's womb that carries us and cradles us until we're ready to go out into the world once again, until we're ready to go out and, 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 and share life as God planned us to share that life, to go out into the world. There are long, those long times of waiting and fretting and stewing are the very times that God is swaddling you and me in his love, swaddling you and me in his rakam. From Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. Let's read that one together. God says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. As a mother recalms her child, God says, he will recalm you. Friends, this morning... Now, I don't know what you came here with, what's troubling you, what's going on in your life. God does. He knows. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows those troubles. He knows those tribulations. And you know, friends, God is not a distant spectator. He's there. 
He's there with you every step along the way. He's there with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He has you wrapped up in his compassion. He has you wrapped up in his shelter, for he cares for you just as a mother cares for the child in her womb. So you can stop all that worrying. You can stop all that fretting and come to Jesus. Come to the cross. Lay all your troubles and all your tribulations there. Lay them at the foot of the cross because you can take your time and take your rest in Jesus Christ. For he has compassionate arms and he will cradle you just as a child rests in her mother's womb. Then from the New Testament, from the Gospels, we have Jesus. And Jesus certainly is carrying on. His, his Father is the Son of God. He's carrying on that very compassion, that same rakam. And one verse in particular comes to us from Luke 13, chapter thir- or verses 34 and 35. Now, to set the scene for this, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem for this last time. He's going and he's resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing full well what's going to happen. That he, when he gets there, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, and he's going to be crucified, suffer that horrible death on that cross. Yet he is headed to Jerusalem. And he looks out, he looks out at the, at the people that are gathered around him, and he knows that they are the ones that are plotting his death. And this is what he says. Let's read it together. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Think about that. For those of you who maybe have chickens or know of chickens or whatever, you know, that hen, when her chickens are in trouble, when her chickens are are in danger, she will gather her chicks under her wings for protection. And she will even give up her life for those chicks. And chicken mother hens have done that. They've done that, given up their very lives for their chicks. And then later on, as Jesus got to Jerusalem and he was arrested and he was tried, found guilty, crucified, as he hung there on that cross, hung there on that cross at Calvary, this is what happened. He looked out from the cross and he saw his mother there. And he saw the disciple whom he loved standing there and he said, woman, Here is your son. And the disciple, here is is your mother. Think about that. Jesus, suffering death, a horrendous death, an excruciating, painful death on that cross, still had racham on his people. He still had racham, compassion for the people that he loved. And friends, he loves you. He loves you that same today. He has compassion on us in that same way. That's the lesson that I pray that you take away from this word today. This fifth word, the sermon series, Rakam. Rakam, comfort, compassion, mercy, and yes, even womb. For your God looks at you 
even though we know that we all stray, we all turn away and we all go our own way, and we all deserve his anger, but he doesn't give it to us. Sometimes we might think that we know better than God. Sometimes we might think that we have a better plan. Sometimes we might think that that we know the situation much better than he does. After all, we're in it. He's not, but he's there. He's there for us. For he looks at us, you and me, and he says, you are mine. I recham you. From Lamentations, our last verse. From Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Let's read that one. Because of the Lord's great love, you will not be consumed. His compassions never fail. His rakam for you and for me never fails. Thanks be to God.